A court case is underway in Boston right now that could ultimately determine the future of affirmative action. At the center of the debate, how race can be considered in school admissions. The outcome could lead all the way to the Supreme Court and hinge on the vote of newly minted Justice Brett Kavanaugh. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me today is Bloomberg News' Peter Jeffrey, a senior editor for Bloomberg News. And Peter, what's the backstory on this trial? Well, uh, David, the um, trial began way back in 2014 when a guy named Edward Bloom uh, sued in order to get um, Harvard to stop, in their view, uh, he represents a, an organization called Students for Fair Admissions, mm -hmm. using a kind of vague and, in their view, easily manipulated personal rating to cap the number of Asian American applicants who would wind up getting accepted into Harvard's freshman class. And it's been dragging on now for several years, and it's come to a head, and the trial's on right now as we speak in Boston. Now, is there a legal precedent for this case? Yes. If um, the plaintiffs can show from past Supreme Court decisions that what Harvard is effectively doing is instituting a quota system that it refuses to call a quota system, then they may have some headway in the case in showing that the acceptance of Asian Americans is disproportionately low for the qualifications that those Asian Americans present to the admissions committee. And so why, in this case, why Asian Americans? Well, um, Bloom is known for looking for test cases to bring mm -hmm. them up to the high court. And he um, went uh, to before the court, or rather uh, cases that he got behind went before the court um, several times, twice in Fisher versus the University of Texas. You may recall Abigail Fisher was a white student who said that she was unfairly denied admission because of um, race-conscious admissions. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a group of 156 Asian-American organizations, a, a coalition of Asian-American organizations, and um, they claim that there should be that that forty percent of the uh, incoming freshman Harvard class should be Asian American if it was just done by numbers. Mm. When in fact the actual percentage of the Harvard class is uh, that is Asian American is twenty three percent. And how does that compare to other? Minorities? Oh, I should add that that five point six percent of the American population is Asian American. Mm. So yes, how like what's the breakdown for the the latest freshman classes when it comes to minorities for Harvard? The class that just started is a sixteen percent African American, twelve percent Latino. Now those both accord roughly with the actual percentage of those folks in the American population. Then the um, percentage of the Harvard incoming class or the current freshman class that's Asian American is just about twenty three percent, which is a, a record high for Harvard. Ooh. And just once again, because there are so many numbers flying around here, just to remind you. You, that 23% of the Harvard freshman class that's Asian American compares with 5.6% of Asian Americans in the population, and the 40% that the plaintiffs say they really would be at if they weren't being discriminated against mm -hmm. by Harvard through this through this vague and manipulable. Uh, what they call vague and manipulable personal rating that the admissions officers give to every student. Harvard says race is just one factor in its calculus to, to picking students for admission, but how do we know that to be true? Uh, well, there's some reasons to believe it and some reasons to be skeptical. Uh, the reasons to believe it are that um, Harvard traditionally, like so many universities, has the, the expected panoply of measures that, that you could count on. The GPA, a standardized test scores, and you know extracurricular activities, mm -hmm. and civic leadership, and on and on. Um, now, 
what uh, so so there's some reason to instinctively think, well, you know, it sounds like a whole bunch of factors of which race they freely admit is one. But the plaintiffs, uh, Students for Fair Admissions, uh, and Ed Bloom are saying, well, just a moment. In 2013, Harvard had its own internal study of these claims of bias against Asian Americans in admission and never went further with mm-hmm. it. So then, just to give you the final back and forth here, Harvard says, well, it was preliminary. It wasn't dispositive. And the plaintiffs are essentially saying, well, you had some indication there might be from your own report. Why didn't you find out whether Asian Americans were effectively being discriminated against, whether you meant to or not? Peter, many could argue that at a certain point in this country's history, affirmative action was needed. But you'd look at a school like Harvard that for 200 plus years, it was a school for white men. Um, But how do we know affirmative action is still needed today? So, you know, Patty Hurtado spoke to Vanita Gupta, who used to um, run the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division under Obama. And uh, Gupta made an interesting point. She said, you know, the U.S. is growing more diverse. Society is, the workplace is. And so it would be bizarre if the college campus suddenly started to grow less diverse, even as the country was growing Mm -hmm. more diverse. There'd be a mismatch. Another reason you could argue we need affirmative action came from a young woman, 28-year-old woman, Patty interviewed at a rally in Harvard Square Sunday in favor of Harvard's continuing its use of of race-conscious admissions. It's a young woman who um, graduated in the class of 2011. She is on track to get a JD MBA from Harvard next year. She's quite an accomplished young woman, Mm -hmm. African-American woman. And she she said, look, you know, to to your point, David, uh, Harvard for hundreds of years was white and male. And at at this point, we're looking at a fairly relatively, in the broad scheme of things, small slice of history in which affirmative action has had a chance to do Mm -hmm. its work. She was holding up a sign that said, the spot I have, I earned. So it was pretty powerful. Now, we spoke also with uh, Roger Clegg, who heads up an organization called the Center for Equal Opportunity. And they're opposed to racial preferences. And Roger Clegg said, look, uh, you know, I, th- I think his point was uh, he's not making a stand against affirmative action in all its guises. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Mm-hmm. But he is. But his main point was that colleges can't be trusted to do affirmative action right. And he points to Harvard and says, look, the Supreme Court left the door. I believe his metaphor was, you know, left the door cracked open. And what happened now? We have Harvard discriminating against Asian Americans. So the, the, the no answer to that question wouldn't perhaps be a square no, we don't need affirmative action. But from Clegg's perspective, you know, every time you try to do it right, um, people do it wrong. That's, that's his perspective, conservative perspective. So, Peter, if this case does make it all the way to the Supreme Court and the vote hinges on Justice Kavanaugh's vote and it goes 5-4, what would the fallout across the country be if affirmative action was overturned? Well, you know, the the reason that that Harvard's case is so key here um, is that the court has, the Supreme Court has looked on Harvard and passed decisions about affirmative action as sort of the gold standard of doing race-conscious admissions right. Uh, Justice Lewis Powell, uh, back in um, the Bakke case in 1978, uh, well, he ruled against quotas, but said, look, if you want to do affirmative action, look to Harvard, using race as just a plus factor in admissions. So, uh, Patty Hurtado, the reporter on the article that we ran, spoke to Elise Boddy, who um, used to run uh, litigation for the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. She's a, lo- a Rutgers Law professor. And Body told Patty that 
that's the reason this is so important. If Harvard falls, as she put it, if Harvard goes down, then what about all the other colleges that are using race-conscious admissions? They'll soon follow. If, 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 if this case is lost, she's suggesting, it's going to be a huge blow to mm-hmm. affirmative action. And to your question of, of what would happen across the country, if you look at Harvard's class, David, it, it, it's very interesting. Harvard makes the point, and the numbers bear it out, that if it wanted to, it could fill each incoming class with nothing but students with perfect scores. So I think one question is, what would a class like that look like? Uh, Patty, Patty spoke with a number of Harvard students and alumni, young alumni, who are preparing to testify on Harvard's behalf in, in court. And a couple of them talked about being uh, immigrants or refugees from, it so happens, Vietnam obviously long after the war, but for various other reasons, uh, were leaving the country and had um, had challenges. Uh, so the, the immigrant or refugee experience, they used on their personal admissions essays, and it may have been one of the factors that, may have been one of the factors that helped them get in. The plaintiff's case, what the plaintiffs are asking for is a situation in which the admissions council would essentially run their admissions race-blind. That could be a situation in which such an essay might not even be permissible. So I think the question to what would happen to affirmative action across the country is you might see a far less representative um, class, representative of the nation as it looks now, than you do now. And I guess Roger Clegg would come along and say, let the chips fall where they may, let it depend entirely on merit, and then I think the question you have to ask is, what is merit? That's what the two sides are arguing about now. Does merit not also involve factors besides scores and GP and grade point average? Peter Jeffrey, thank you. Thank you, David. Make sure to follow Peter on Twitter. He's at Peter underscore Jeffrey. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening. Please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.